Welcome to Utilizing Tech, the podcast about emerging technology from Gestalt IT. This season of Utilizing Tech focuses on edge computing, which demands a new approach to networking, storage, compute, and more. I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. Joining me today as my co-host is Alistair Cook. Hi, I'm an independent analyst and trainer and uh, based here in beautiful New Zealand. And uh, Al, uh, you and I at uh, Edge Field Day and on previous episodes of Utilizing Edge have had this uh, quite a lot of conversations about what you called the far edge. Mm. Today, we're going to dive a little bit into the near edge. So talk to me a little bit about those definitions in your mind. Well, this came from writing about uh, infrastructure solutions at, at Edge, in particular hyperconverged infrastructure. And it became apparent to me that the Edge isn't the same thing to everybody. And I had vendors who would normally tell me about data center infrastructure products, telling me about how these were Edge products. And I had other vendors with really specialized hardware that you wouldn't put in a data center telling me that these were Edge products. And it became clear that there, is, there isn't just a single Edge. And in my mind, I had this the separation of those two kinds of products. So I had the idea of a, a near edge as something that's closer to your central data center and is more data center-like. So it's got power protection, it's got environmentals, but you probably don't own it. So it may well be a co-location in somebody else's point of presence. Whereas the far edge is actually somewhere you own and that you're putting your infrastructure into, but it's nothing like a data center. Um, on, at, the uh, previous episodes, we've we've seen things like um, Brian talking about Chick-fil-A and having edge deployment into quick service restaurants. Um, this is very different to deployment into data centers. And so I definitely saw completely different solutions for those two different problems. And as you say, we've been talking mostly in, in, in the uh, podcast and at Edge Field Day uh, about the things that go into your own um, data center or your own non-data center locations, your stores, your gas stations, your trucks. Um, but that's not all that edges. No, in fact, I think that there are a few different definitions uh, that we've seen in the industry. And certainly there's a few different categories of products and not all the products are for quick serve restaurants or oil rigs. A lot of them are, you know, network edge, um, as you say. And uh, one of the people that really knows this topic is our guest today, uh, Andrew Green, who is a research analyst uh, at Gigom, like yourself, and who focuses on Edge. So welcome to the show, Andrew. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Alistair. Thanks for having me. So talk to us a little bit about your focus at Gigom and your own personal interests in Edge and your reaction to what Andrew just said about uh, the near edge versus the far edge. Sure. Uh, thank you. So um, my name is Andrew Green. I'm a networking and security research analyst at Gigome, and I'm also the director of Precision.co. Um, in terms of Edge, I was kind of pushed to it. So it, it was really a natural evolution of, of getting there. Uh, within Gigome, we've really defined um, a couple of reports for Edge, the main one being Edge platforms, which is or essentially uh, a, a take on an evolved CDN. It started off as an evolved CDN and then we matured the space into its own uh, solution. So it is matching the definition of Farage, like Alistair mentioned. And from that scope, what they usually define as edge, uh, and it really covers wide distances at this point, is uh, whatever can get you workloads in 20 milliseconds round trip. And in terms of distance, that actually equates to 1,000 miles. Uh, 
So for example, if I am sat here in the, in the UK and for example, I have a server in Germany that I'm talking to that might be a thousand miles away and I still get 20 milliseconds round trip, I will still classify that as edge. And the reason for the 20 millisecond threshold is because that's the point when you can actually uh, physically feel that something is delayed or not. And uh, that's very obvious for anybody who plays instruments. Like uh, whenever I was playing it there and I was recording something, if you have a um, delay of more than 20 milliseconds, you can't actually play. Yeah, it, it feels awkward, it's, it, it feels uh, a bit weird. So that's the reason for the 20 millisecond definition. And that's usually applicable to, across uh, all the mains that recall that real-time interaction. So I'd characterize that 20 millisecond delay as, as being about the, the near edge. So it's uh, closer to, uh, it's, it's further away from the actual user than my definition of far edge. Far edge, the, the person that we're targeting is actually standing close to, and you know, we're, we're down to a few microseconds of latency. So um, this content delivery network and then evolving services beyond that is for me very much what the near edge is about. It's it's locations where you're putting relatively heavyweight applications that are used by uh, a, a diverse collection of clients. Uh, and uh, it, it really does feel like that's, that's a, a huge use case for a lot of organizations that are delivering a over the internet or over a 5G network now, delivering a service to their end customers. And that latency absolutely is a killer. You, you can't cure latency other than by putting the compute closer or the, the service closer to your users. You can't buy lower latency the way that you can buy higher bandwidth. And uh, that's a, it's a common mistake as people are doing system architecture is to think you can cure all of your performance problems simply by getting more bandwidth. But the speed of light, that um, propagation delay in the electrical signals is a reality that you, you can't buy your way out of. You've got to distribute your application to suit that. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. And uh, um, hand in hand with this also comes geographical distribution. Uh, so at least from a CDN perspective, or, you know, it can be... Um, data centers for cloud providers, or it can be telecommunication service providers, anything that has a distributed infrastructure. Um, you can you can deliver services globally. So for example, if if I have some points of presence over in North America and I have some uh, over in Oceania and then uh, in South America, it's all kind of a unified edge fabric and it all depends on uh, the vendor's ability to deliver um, services closer to the end user within that 20 millisecond threshold that I talked about. Yeah, it, it does, I think, depend on the perspective as well, uh, Al, whether you're talking about near edge, far edge, uh, near to whom is, I guess, the question. Uh, but I think what, what you're getting at there is definitely something that we've been hearing about from many different companies. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, CDNs, uh, you know, Akamai, uh, Cloudflare. Uh, we were also, I was, I was talking to a company, uh, EdgeGap, uh, that's talking about deploying uh, gaming closer to players to overcome exactly the same thing that uh, that you're talking about here that that perception that feeling that if latency is too high then interactivity drops and it's almost like an uncanny valley isn't it with uh, applications that as soon as you get past a certain threshold of latency it's no longer real time it just doesn't feel real time and that's your 20 milliseconds right Andrew that's definitely it Computer games are actually a huge use case for this because it's it's essentially the definition of having to interact with something in real time, and we see real world deployments of this 
um, today. So we're not talking about something that's, uh, you know, a few years down the line. Um, it's it's happening today. And uh, to be fair, especially with um, computer games, whenever you had to, to pick like a, a server uh, that you're playing to and the one that was closest to you um, was very busy. So we had to pick one that was uh, far away, like maybe across the ocean or something like that. Uh, you were always at, at a disadvantage. And today it's not the case anymore. So I think it's a huge win in that in that industry. So how is it not a, not the case anymore? I mean, it, it can't be just that people are playing with local players. There's got to be technical solutions that are going out. And I know that that's something that you're really focused on. So tell us, how do people bridge this edge? How are people getting past this, this 20 millisecond uh, threshold? In, in terms of what used to happen maybe 15, 20 years ago, you used to have some servers that were, you know, in, in major metropolitan areas, but if you're further away, you just didn't have, um, you know, access to it in, uh, in the latency that you can actually play competitively. Uh, so this time with the distribution of points of presence, I mean, uh, for example, across, uh, especially North America and Europe, but uh, typically across the world nowadays, uh, you have something that, you know, might be just, just a few hundred miles away from you. Um, in terms of what can you actually deliver, each of those points of presence now essentially behaves like it's slightly like its own cloud entity. So you can have uh, compute and storage on there. Uh, so, so you don't necessarily just um, uh, do caching like you used to do with uh, content delivery networks. Um, now within compute and storage, you obviously have a multitude of technologies that you can use. Uh, you can have very metal at the edge, you can have virtual machines, you can have uh, Kubernetes, you can have function as a service. So the type of technology that you want to use at the edge really depends on the types of use cases. And the types of use cases that I've seen most popular uh, are for web performance and application delivery. Uh, so for example, can I get, uh, you know, modern uh, website architectures? Like um, what can I do with uh, server-side rendering, personalization? Um, a lot of comp companies are interested in doing A-B testing. Uh, and those are really use cases that are applicable through those uh, new types of compute that is available at the edge. And that compute might be something as, as simple as uh, the Lambda at Edge component that AWS has added to CloudFront or um, Cloudflare have their functions as well, aren't they? Um, but it might also be that you're building your own infrastructure, as you say, building out an infrastructure to run a Kubernetes cluster at each of these distributed edge locations. Given that they're within a thousand kilometers of a user, then we're probably talking about hundreds of these data centers around the world rather than thousands or just tens of them. Um, so in, in terms of the scale of this, this is a relatively large implementation. So something like Kubernetes does suit it quite well. As you say, uh, functions as a service, we really like running serverless components for these scale out applications. That seems like a, a really good fit to the, the sort of use cases of accelerating applications and essentially delivering the application much more locally to the user. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And within this, there's also each of those lighter points of presence actually have, you know, limitations in terms of what you can do. And in terms of where you actually want to deliver the service, it might be like a, like a very um, remote point of presence on an island where the service might not be accessed. Uh, if you have, um, you know, a persistent virtual machine or even bare metal there, it might be just 
wasted money after all. Uh, so just having something like serverless and functional service where you can just spin up the service, deliver whatever you have to, and then spin it down, it might be much more cost-effective. So those edge compute um, technologies really um, have real use cases today. But I've also seen in the market that when people talk about the edge, uh, they go like very well beyond uh, what's being delivered today and talk about stuff like remote surgery, um, connected cars, um, and all of those use cases that are pretty, pretty far out there. Uh, and I made the analogy that it's a bit like thinking of use cases for a brick. Uh, so for example, I can use a brick to crack a coconut or uh, do whatever with it, but that doesn't mean it's the most efficient way of doing it and what you're supposed to do with the brick, right? So let's think about uh, where these things are being deployed. And I think, again, there's there's sort of a, um, I don't know, a, a frontier here where uh, on the one hand, you are deploying them in uh, a service provider, uh, globally distributed service providers, locations, um, as, as uh, Alistair said, maybe hundreds of locations even around the world. Um, and then there's, I guess, a, another completely different step. I, I get like a quantum leap where you would deploy these things everywhere, you know, uh, very, very close to users in literally thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of locations, right? And then there's even another quantum leap where this stuff is deployed locally uh, in either retail or industrial locations or even in the hands of end users. And and I and I and I've I can see these each of these different states being um, interesting, offering distinct benefits. Uh, what's real though? Uh, are is it is it possible to deploy this stuff, for example, um, on every block in every city around the world? Is it possible to deploy them in every you know five G uh, point of presence, or is it something that at this point we're talking about deploying hundreds of locations around the world um, at the premises of a service provider? That's that's a great question, Stephen. And uh, um, to be honest, I think it all comes down to economics and financials, right? So um, you can have those types of uh, um, compute and storage capabilities very close to the end user. I mean, by definition, edge is you're looking at the topological edge of a network. Uh, so that can be your home router. It can be your uh, like the uh, first hop in your last mile provider, for example. Um, so those edges can be essentially deployed anywhere. Um, and now it, it's a matter of what do you actually want to use it for uh, and what makes sense financially. So for example, if I have like very um, intensive compute storage transfer requirements like big data analysis, uh, the type of AI and machine learning we've uh, all heard uh, and love, uh, you want those to be not necessarily distributed everywhere because they don't make sense, but having that near edge, if you have to have the um, um, processing locally, so you don't transfer over like terabytes of data um, across, you know, a thousand miles that might not be cost efficient. You might just want to do it uh, locally, have that distributed as much as it makes sense. Um, but, you know, for example, with uh, telecommunication providers, considering like the internet is a commodity at this point, they need to invest into something. So I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if we'd have every radio mast to be enabled with some sort of like edge compute capability. Uh, 
what you do with it at this point, I'm not entirely sure. Would it be more, more cost efficient to do, uh, for example, all the network intelligence, like network slicing uh, and monitoring on the edge at the mass rather than doing it centrally? I'm not entirely sure, but it's definitely something that can happen. We are, though, seeing real-world use case for these things of, of distributed networks for delivering gaming and for delivering media. We're seeing um, telcos who want to deliver video on demand to their customers who are putting the compute really close in, in that 20 millisecond uh, round trip distance from, from the customers. And some of it's driven by the 20 millisecond round trip, but some of it is about that economics of transferring large amounts of data. And that's one of the, the th reasons why we also see far-reach deployments, things like uh, doing video surveillance in your store. You don't really want to stream that video back into some central location to do analytics to it, but you want to retain the video and you want to do some local analytics, maybe for fraud detection, um, on site. So there is absolutely that dis separate sets of use case. And uh, whilst latency is a big factor, cost of data transfer, that, that bandwidth that you're paying for to, to get more data transfer, that's expensive, particularly if you're going out to hundreds and thousands of sites. So there's, there are a lot of real world current use cases for putting compute where data is generated or getting data closer to the users. And um, that's, that, that's where things are definitely delivering value right now. I think there is a huge future capability around having a more generic platform, particularly at the near edge in those data center-like locations that is more cloud-like. And we're seeing more of that distributed cloud uh, turning up out of normal cloud providers. Um, Andrew, are you seeing more cloud-like services being delivered in these distributed locations where it's on-demand consumption, or is it still very much about a bespoke application being delivered into those locations? Yes, it's it's very much um, cloud-like behavior. Um, and essentially, it really comes down to the scalability of, of a solution. And I really love the um, uh, video processing at the edge, for example, you might want to do like um, human detection. And you also need to keep in mind stuff like um, increase of data generation. So for example, at the moment, I'm I'm not really sure what the, the surveillance um, for or the resolution for surveillance cameras is, but I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see it increase to like 4K and 8K, right? Um, so that means that uh, you need to have adequate capabilities to not only store, but also process the data at the edge. And this is where the cloud-like behavior need, needs to come in. How can I optimize those um, locations such that, as we um, mentioned previously, I don't have a bunch of resources that sit idle, but I also have the scale, scalability on demand. And for example, you can borrow concepts um, like cloud bursting, where you can have some core capability that you have to do. And if there's a spike in demand, even with the, um, you know, forfeiting the 20 millisecond rule, you can just offload some of the workloads to the cloud or to another edge location and get it back and, uh, and still essentially retain some sort of performance. But having that scalability is, is really difficult. And another thing that I saw vendors and one of the uh, new metrics that I defined in the Edge Platforms report is about multi-environment networking and compute orchestration. Uh, so, for example, what I mean by that is if you have some sort of Edge provider, um, they can in integrate usually by APIs, 
to spin up, spin down, and configure um, other compute resources in other environments. So for example, I might use you know, Cloudflare at the edge and then do some sort of processing there, but then I need to have um, also on AWS EC2 uh, spun up somewhere to uh, run maybe um, some application that I imported. Um, would Cloudflare be able to orchestrate the um, to give the developer a single point of glass or a CLI or some sort of IAC integration to spin up that AWS environment uh, such that they can communicate between each other. You can uh, organize that cloud bursting. Uh, you can make sure that you know it's seamless connectivity. You don't have to uh, mess about with firewalls and still do it uh, securely. So it's, it's definitely a lot of work and I think uh, edge platforms have an opportunity now to have this overlay fabric controlling not only their own infrastructure, but also other types of infrastructure, including those uh, that you own on, on premises infrastructure, location, managed hosting, private clouds, and so on. Yeah, this is an interesting concept because what I think we're getting at here is the idea of basically a um, an abstracted edge platform that would span from the near edge to the far edge. At least that's what it seems like to me, or am I off base? Because as you mentioned, um, certainly uh, state of the art in security cameras now is probably 4K with 8K coming. Uh, you know, we've seen the recent uh, at the OCP summit, we saw the introduction of a new edge router that can handle, you know, I mean, massive bandwidth because they're talking about having like literally hundreds or thousands of 4K cameras deployed at these remote locations. Clearly, clearly that's going to require local processing. But they're also, you know, this is Amazon. And so they're talking about integrating that with uh, Near Edge, with the cloud, and, and having sort of a, a unified platform. And as you mentioned, you know, services like Cloudflare. Um, it, does this mean that we're going to have some sort of new platform for running these applications? And if, if, if we do, do we have that? Or is that still being developed? I think that we are very early days but that seems to be the direction that we're going in. For example, somebody like AWS that also have their own uh, their own CDN, not to mention all the uh, distributed globally distributed data centers and the very comprehensive portfolio of products. They they have a lot of power to do to do stuff. It's it's going to be a matter of you know uh, orchestration as well. There is also a um, a note about edge routers, the actual routing appliances that can host um compute such that they can host some sort of application the technology already exists now that you, you know you can you can have like your firewall hosted um on um, on the edge router but there is no reason to have that routing appliance but which is by definition what the edge is it's the routing appliance at the edge they're called edge routers um to actually have the compute and storage capability to support those those types of use cases and we've seen these intelligent routers with the ability to run essentially virtualization at the edge for um, a while. What I think we're seeing is a, a shift towards them being a general purpose tool, not a special purpose tool that you can run multiple applications on. The other compute that's interesting at the edge is the actual cameras themselves. Uh, a bunch of the pr security camera products are actually doing AI um, functions directly on the camera so you don't even store 
when there's no change in the video. You actually only store the segments where there's change in video. And that, again, shifts what data is coming into the edge location and, and gets that processing closer and closer to the data generation. Andrew, are we seeing that unified platform that we all dream of to give us, heaven forbid, a single pane of glass for managing this entire thing? Not, not at the moment. And to be honest, it seems that the further we go towards the edge, the, the more we go back in time where all the data is going to be processed locally. And then <laughs> you, you just have to um, in, integrate the uh, outsourced infrastructure services in, in, into it, essentially. Um, but what I have noticed is that some of the edge platforms that I featured in the recent GigaOM report um, are integrating both far edge and near edge in their offerings, and they don't all do that. So I defined three types three types of deployment models. Uh, so, so you can either have your uh, on, on demand, your existing points of presence, on demand points of presence. So uh, upon customer request, can the vendor actually you know, spin up a, a point of presence somewhere near to that location? Or can the vendor support either via dedicated hardware or a virtualized hardware, uh, the services that they deliver for, for that customer. So for example, I can have a, um, a purpose-built hardware shipped to the customer, they install it in their whatever location they want, and they can have those types of services that include application delivery and then load balancing and so on, on that, um, on that hardware appliance. Or it can be a virtual appliance, can be installed on a um, all-purpose server, uh, and it still integrates with the wider edge platform offering to have, you know, content delivery, uh, video streaming, it, it, it can be whatever. Yeah, it's really exciting to think about that because we, we've talked about this a few times, Alistair, where, um, as you said, uh, local processing, it almost acts as a filter. So you have a tremendous amount of data that goes through a local, very hyper-local filter, local to the camera or sensor then the interesting stuff is downsampled and sent to uh, the next level for processing. And then that's downsampled and sent to the next level for processing and so on. And, and it really is uh, one of the, the fundamentals of distributed computing, right? Um, and, and also, I mean, at the risk of you know getting tomatoes thrown at me for uh, bringing up an old uh, podcast topic, uh, the rise of tensor processing and machine learning uh, processing is is just amazing. And the technologies and the tools that we heard about in seasons one through three of utilizing tech, um, uh, you know, companies that are developing, um, you know, TensorFlow processing on ARM chips, on x86, uh, BrainChip, for example, you know, that's trying to do this with low-powered chips. All these companies that are trying to, to basically build machine learning-based filters for all of this data in order to to make it possible to process this. I'm sorry, I'm just getting excited. Um, some, I, I guess that's, uh, yeah, I had to bring up AI. I had to bring it up after after all of this. But I think that you're right. I think that there is a lot of, uh, a lot of work being done with this, Alistair. Yeah, and one of the concepts I had was the idea that the edge was about being a data refinery, that where data is being generated at the edge, we improve the value of the data as close to where it's generated as possible and then pass it on for the next phase. And I think that's one of the things that tends to characterize the far edge where it's at a location we, we own and where we've got our cameras that's generating the data and sending it back into central. 
Whereas I think near edge feels the other way, that the data is being generated in some central, often cloud location, and then being pushed out to that near edge location. And that's just something that's, that struck me today. Now, there's always a hybrid. Um, because you know, if the Fire Edge location is a gas station and there's advertising and video advertising being delivered, then there's data flying outwards. But the refinery aspect sort of comes back in the other direction, which is interesting. No, that's, uh, that's actually a great point, because um, if I think how we initially defined uh, uh, this Edge platform report from a content delivery, that's exactly what you were saying. You're delivering content from some sort of like central uh, server, like it might be a website, it might be video, it might be images, it might be whatever, so you're delivering that. But at the same time, when you have data generated um, on location, and then you need to do it and then send it somewhere, let's say in the cloud or um, to some of your infrastructure that hosts it somewhere else, then you need to have that processing kind of the, the other way around. And um, with the risk of opening up another kind of forums, I'm thinking about the security aspect of it. Um, so for example, the more data you generate, um, the more you have to store it. But then w when you store that data for how, what's your retention policy? Uh, if data, uh, you have some sort of attack that's happening uh, on location, um, are, would you actually risk throwing that data away, let's say after three months, if it was infected and not be able to, you know, work back uh, to see how much, um, what was the impact on the business. I came across a recent IBM report that said it's about 273 day average for a threat to be identified. Uh, so, so I'm wondering if you're uh, generating all this data on the edge, um, how, how much of it do you store? Because it's going to be more and more data. So uh, what's your take on it? I definitely think uh, less and less storage is going to be what's going to happen. We're going to collect more data. We're going to store less of it. We're only going to store the interesting bits. What do you think, Al? Well, I think the reason we've stored lots of data in the past is we had no idea of the value of that data. This is what, what drove the explosion of big data. As we start applying AI and machine learning to it, we find the actual value in the data. And I think you're right that we will start throwing out the data of unknown value when we can actually identify value in data. And that idea that, that all data is equal and all data um, should be kept forever uh, because we don't know what, what value it has. Uh, we need to shift away from that. It just doesn't continue to work. Uh, with you saying that, it, um, it also led me to think that we can also apply AI and machine learning for threat detection at the edge, such that if we want to store data, then we can uh, as a business choice. But if we don't want and we uh, you know, risk losing that information, then at least we can apply some sort of real-time threat detection at the edge, such that when we... Um, get rid of the data when we discard it, it's not going to be a business risk as well. Yeah, and, and that's actually one of the things that machine learning is really good at is threat detection and, and determining basically what's what, what to focus on and what to ignore and what to skip. And, and that, that was one of the things that came out of a lot of our discussions earlier. And I, and I agree with you. I think that that's, that's really something that is going to be very, very valuable and, and, and in fact necessary because of this flood of information. So um, before we go, I want to kind of return to the, the, the first question that I had, which is, um, Alistair, um, you, you've been talking about near edge and far edge. Uh, we've been kind of dancing around this with a lot of conversations uh, so far about building 
a lot of far edge stuff. Now that we've had a chance to talk near edge and to talk about this continuum, uh, do you do you have a different opinion on this, or or has this just cemented that opinion? I think it for me what I think I learned today was that um, in business you always say follow the money at the edge, follow the data. Um, it's all about getting that data close to your users, and there's different definitions of getting that that data close to your users or the processing close to the data. I think that's what I learned today. Andrew, how about you? Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what's your summary? What, what's the takeaway message for folks listening to this? Thank you for having me, Stephen. And uh, the I think the biggest realization is the one that I had uh, just just now about either pushing the data from the edge or pulling data from the edge, and uh, uh, those use cases between near edge and far edge, and how they can you know essentially um, have different use cases. It's not only an architectural concern, but it's also a business concern, a security concern. Uh, so, so whether you push data or you pull data from the edge, it, they're completely different systems and they should be treated accordingly. Absolutely. And, and I think that we do also need, as we've kind of been dancing around in here, some uh, unification in terms of uh, the, the platform, in terms of orchestration and operation deployment security, all of these questions are going to be coming up. And, and I know there's a lot of companies working on that. And I'm really excited to see what the two of you at GigaHome and the rest of the industry come up with in terms of structures, uh, descriptions, um, overviews of all of these solutions. Um, those of you listening, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, where can those people continue this conversation uh, with the two of you? Andrew, I'll give you a chance to go first. Where can we find you and continue this conversation? So you can find me directly at precisum.co, or you can send me an email at andrew.green at precisum.co, where we deliver technical content writing for uh, Enterprise IT. And you can find me, Alistair Cook, uh, as at demitasnz on Twitter or demitas.co.nz for my own uh, thoughts and, and writings about this. You can also find me in person at VMware Explore very shortly, or a little few months' time. And uh, I definitely suggest checking out some of the vBrown bag and Build Day Live videos that we've created around data center infrastructure primarily, but maybe some edge infrastructure coming soon. Also, I think, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, but I think it's pretty likely that the three of us may be involved in Edge Field Day going forward. So I hope that we have uh, all of us in, involved in that and that, that people will be able to see us there. Uh, you can learn more about that at techfieldday.com. And of course, you can find more uh, from me by going to gestaltit.com and, and checking out the on-premise IT podcast or our weekly news rundown. Thanks for listening to Utilizing Edge, part of the Utilizing Tech podcast series. If you enjoyed this discussion, please subscribe in your favorite podcast application and consider leaving us a rating or a nice review. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to utilizingtech.com or connect with us on Twitter or Mastodon at Utilizing Tech. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.